0: Hello, my name's Stuart Miles and welcome to the Pocket Podcast. Virgin Media in the UK has announced an all-in-one TV service served via the internet rather than cable. Called Stream from Virgin Media, Pocket Rick Henderson has been to the event and joins us to tell us all the details. Meanwhile, I caught up with the founder and CEO of InStoried, a new online tool that aims to help you write with more empathy. And Pocket Cam Bunton has been using the new Samsung Galaxy A53 5G smartphone. Is the company's new latest mid-range phone the one to get, or is it just mid-range in performance? Stay tuned to find out. But first, Rick, back to you. Tell us more about Stream from Virgin Media.
1: Stream from Virgin Media is a new device and service. It's sort of like a combined package that you can buy um, if you are a Virgin Media Broadband customer. It is exclusive to Virgin Media Broadband only, Um, but it's actually very cheap. And quite cunning. Um, I'll explain a little bit more. The device itself is a small set-top box. It's really tiny. I mean, it's smaller than the actual remote that it comes with, so you can get a kind of idea. It's easy to tuck away and very easy set-up. Works completely over wireless. Um, So, But what it offers is an access to live TV, apps, streaming services, and everything all in the one device. It's very similar to, say, Sky Stream Puck, which was also announced recently. However, there are some key differences, and the m- most um, relevant of those is that you do not have to sign a long-term contract to have stream. It's available. It's very similar in that respect to Now TV, Sky's other service, Now, Now, which... Um, offers all of its entertainment packages in as a 30-day rolling contract. So you can chop and change them as you want.
0: And so is this is this similar in that sense of you can access all your all the content. So obviously the virgin media content, but like things like BT Sport, Disney, Netflix, Prime, can you get all the services on there as well?
1: Absolutely. That's that's its entire purpose. Um, the small box comes, even if you don't want to add any services, it comes with the whole gamut of pretty much every Freeview channel. So all streamed over the internet, so you don't have to plug in an aerial, you just stream those channels live, plus you get access to all the free uh, catch-up services. <laughs> like. <clears throat> like BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub, All4 and My5. Um, so you don't actually have to pay any more from that point. You've bought the box for your £35, that's how much it costs, and then you can just use it as a normal set-top box. However, most TVs will also have access to all those channels anyway, so you that might not be your primary concern. Then you purchase add-ons. Those add-ons are an entertainment pack including a load of Sky channels, Sky Cinema HD, Sky Sports HD, BT Sport HT, or Netflix or Disney+. And the cunning part about this is that you can, you can add them and take them away each month. Right. So if your cost of living crisis is, is squeezing you a bit harder on a certain month, you can say, right, I can't afford Netflix this month, so I'm just going to take it off, um, which is a, a great way of doing things. But there's an extra added bonus to it too, on right. top of that. Although, while everything else, everything comes onto your bill, the same bill. Um, if you have an add-on, a paid add-on subscription service, at the end of every month, Virgin Media will give you ten percent credit back.
0: Oh, okay. So the more you get, the more percent, more savings you get. Exactly. Now, do uh, does this work in the same way as? When the Sky Glass, for example, and their streaming puck came out, a lot of criticism was leveled at it for not being as a good a, as gooder. That's not even the right word, is it? As a, as a as a as an all rounded experience as Sky Q customers already experienced, and so therefore, it's one of those difficult things. If you're a Sky Q customer, sometimes it's not necessarily worth the switch over to Sky Glass at this moment in time. If you're a Virgin Media subscriber already is this something you should think about upgrading to, or is this really aimed at new customers?
1: I think this is aimed more at new customers, although um, from my understanding of SkyGlass, uh, in comparison, I think that the um, stream by Virgin Media is actually a more simple proposition. You you sort of like, the the menu is split up very simply. You've got apps, you've got live TV, you've got catch-up, and you've got on-demand. So you can buy a film, for example. Um, So it's a very simplified experience. And the live TV side of it worked in my demo exactly like your TV works. So you go to the EPG, click on the channel, it instantly starts. So you're just going straight into live TV. So um, I think it's a really good proposition for those who can't have satellite or cable or for people who just want a little bit more flexibility with their viewing. But yet still want it all in the one place. They don't want to have to go into a smart TV app app service just to watch Netflix, for example, in comparison to the Freeview Tuner to watch a bit of television.
0: Right. And you've talked about pricing, but when is this all available?
1: It's available now to Virgin Media customers, although um, I understand that it's it's. Are currently on a kind of invite basis so you might have had an email if you're a virgin media broadband customer you may have had an email already saying you want to get stream from virgin media
0: still to come cam gives us his verdict on the samsung galaxy a53 5g smartphone
2: you would find you'd get a much faster smoother performance uh, but where samsung gets it right is in delivering things that i think that most average consumers want which is they want something that works they want something that's going to be supported for a long time
0: first came spell checkers then grammar checkers and now it seems empathy checkers that's right a new tool called InStory is hoping to help would-be writers to create more emotional copy using a series of hints and tips powered by ai after analyzing your copy but how does it work, what's behind the technology, and what's in store for the future? I recently talked to Sharmin Ali, the founder of InStoried, to find out more, and started by asking her to describe what InStoried is all about.
3: InStoried, as the name reads, <laughs> inside stories, uh, you know, that is by into stories or inside stories. So the reason how this started is because, um, you know, I have had a huge background in the whole content space, in the storytelling space and um, one thing that i'd always known is that good quality content is king thanks to my personal experience of having worked with a bunch of cxos globally helping them drive their content strategy so um i knew that you know all of the content generation content evaluation editing etc around the globe is all of that activity is very very intuition driven very manual there is no such Tech-driven approach available out there, you know, which can help people, uh, help content writers and marketers to basically gauge the empathy quotient of their content, and then you know make it something like which would be very easy for them to connect with you know their audiences. How do they exude the right set of emotions to resonate with their customers? So all of these thoughts put together in one place. That's how InStory was started. So, uh, you know, we are a bunch of techies and marketers who decided to come together to ensure that you're able to make every message count in your business.
0: And how how does it go about doing that? How does it make every message count?
3: So basically, you know, like we know that uh, whenever you are creating any sort of content for your audiences, right? So how does the audience absorb it through basically, you know, your your marketing channels that, that are there? Uh, so in order to study this better, I went to Harvard to, you know, study about neuromarketing. And that's where I met a bunch of neuromarketers and neuroscientists, where what they said is that all of the customer decision making, consumer buying patterns, all of that is driven by emotions and not by logic. So the key word here is emotions. So if you're able to, you know, get cracking with the right emotion then that means you will be able to connect with your audiences irrespective of whatever marketing channel that you use so that is when we found out that you know Mm -hmm. when you talk about emotions primarily there are three different tones or opinions that a marketer wants to set across his you know customer base one is positive negative and the third one being neutral of course now if positive how positive that is when you know you talk about joy. And, uh, you know, you're like, okay, surprise joy. And then, you know, if negative, how negative, that's where it, you talk about fear of missing out or FOMO, as it's called, or anger. And, you know, so, so we were like, okay, there are a bunch of five emotions, three tones that we want to play around. So we used about 30 million plus data points, we got them tagged to these tones and emotions. And that's how, you know, we were able to build a tool using which audiences would be able to you know connect better uh, with with the company that is trying to market its product
0: yeah and so you kind of so to start you write a piece of content and you think okay this sounds great i'm feeling positive about this and then you put it into your service yes and it then it then says okay this you could you could make this more emotional or it's maybe it's a bit too aggressive how does how does it work from, yes, from when exact. you put your content in yes
3: so you know as as you start writing your content or you Uh, you know, or you copy paste it. So the tool dynamically understands the context, you know, in which you've written the content. So it will, um, you know, throw these, uh, these multiple scores, the tone and the emotion. And then when you click on a particular tone or a particular emotion to see that which words in your content are exuding that score. So all of those words in your content automatically get highlighted. When you then, you know, hover the cursor over a particular word, you get multiple recommendations. You can replace one or the other recommendation and then you can see that, you know, the score has also increased or decreased. So basically, you know, the thing is that a very DIY plug and play system for uh, you know, for the writer to play around with and then gauge which kind of word or, you know, which kind of tone or emotion is the best suited for his content. Yeah.
0: And so do you then, so you've got these three sort of emotions, this this positive, negative, and and neutral. Does it break down further within those to sort of friendly or business or, you know, I want to persuade someone, you know, how, where do you, where do you right. draw the line or does, or is the possibilities endless on that side?
3: Right. So, so basically what it does is that, you know, uh, yes, the the positive breaks into, you know, two emotions, the negative breaks into two emotions and the, you know, and, um, and the neutral has its own emotion. Those, those emotional scores are there. But other than that, what it also does is that as you're playing around with it, it also comes up with something called as an, you know, as an impact score which basically what it means is that it is trying to predict that if you were to replace your uh, you know your existing content with the content that is being recommended then this is how your impact upon your audiences will happen so which which basically means that from past data it is just trying to draw parallels and tell you that okay you know in the historical past we've seen that on on the web that you know this kind of content attracted x number of audiences and you know x and y percent was the you know, the, the impact upon them. So if you were to replace it with the content that we are recommending, you can expect this sort of uh, an impact upon your audiences, this sort of a conversion basically. So it, it uh, you know, so it throws that. We don't show business or, you know, I mean, or friendly or or, or formal because we are a little more focused on the marketing side of things, you know, where, uh, where formal business-like wouldn't really be the thing. Formal in business is something which, you know, when you are having peer-to-peer communication, that's when you need it more importantly. So based on the feedback that we got from the marketers, they said that tones, emotions, plagiarism checker, uh, you know, of course, a basic grammar and, and spell checker, these are some of the things that they need more. And, and of course, the prediction quotient and the recommendations uh, on, on whether their content is looking good enough or not.
0: And how do you, where does this go next? You know, do you? Does it become that the, the the tool eventually just writes the copy for you without you even thinking about what you're supposed to be writing?
3: right so basically it can do both you know it, it it depends on how you want to use it so there is a content evaluation system and also there is a content generation system now if you want to use both the service is great if you just want to use the evaluation part of it you can you know obviously do that now here is the catch right that you know i am not trying to replace a copywriter at, at somebody's organization i'm trying to be the writing assistant for them to write better uh you know because what we are doing is that we want we want them to save time be more productive and efficient so in that case you can create the content on your own and then run it past the evaluation system for you know for you to understand how good is it looking like or if you want to even generate a piece of content or or some instagram copy facebook copy twitter copy etc so the tool can do even that and then you can you know get n number of recommendations on the kind of copy that that you want or if something isn't looking good and then you can run it past the evaluation system so it is absolutely at the user's discretion on you know how they want to play around with the system what Mm. do they want to use it for hence a diy you know plug and play system for them to have all of their content needs under one umbrella
0: and how important do you think that this is in the greater scale of ai do you do you see more tools being available to users you know on the web like yours in, in the future do you think that's only going to grow you know and continue to, to to explore different opportunities
3: right so yes of course you know because um with the kind of uh you know content requirements that companies globally are facing uh we are very sure that you know soon there would be a time when you know, you would need technology to assist as many copywriters as possible, you know, because the amount of copy that needs to be generated, copywriters, if they were to do this manually, they would not be able to meet the requirement. Uh, so having said that, you know, be it any any kind of, you know, what I mean, mostly we are working with retail and, you know, e-commerce guys. But now we are starting to work with BFSI folks, you know, uh, primarily health insurance, because they have a lot of content to churn out and then manufacturing, pharma, etc. So, so across markets, across segments, uh, you know, there is a huge amount of requirement to, you know, come up with a lot of content on a daily basis to sell their products. Uh, so we have also, you know, now gone B2C and we have almost a million plus users. So which definitely means that, you know, in, in if in just two months we were able to get to a million plus users in the B2C segment, which means that there is a lot of potential, a lot of requirement out there. And um, so, yeah, I think we are very bullish that there would be a huge amount of content requirement.
0: And what's been the greatest challenge that you've had to face to get to, you know, to get to that million people?
3: So I think, uh, you know, because we've used about 30 million plus data points. So we were able to secure a partnership with the Oxford University, you know, which, which is which has given us an exclusive set of data points, paid partnership, of course, which actually helped us, you know, get the right kind of recommendations and work on the efficiency of the tool, because most of our customers initially had that point that, you know, how can you make the recommendations much more efficient, uh, right? Which would be, you know, much more um, audience prone rather than just, just, you know, as in being user prone. So we were able to work on that, thanks to the partnership that we've had with Oxford. And, uh, you know, from from a tech standpoint, I think we are 80% there, uh, you know, wherein the tool is now much more stabilised, much, you know, much better from, uh, from its recommendations point of view, as compared to where we were three years ago.
0: And, and where do you see the technology going in the future for in storage?
3: right so you know initially when we started we were just a web app uh but now we are launching a chrome extension which would basically mean that it you know as soon as you download the chrome extension it would just be integrated onto any and every platform that you have, or, you know, any CMS that you might be using for your content creation, uh, which would definitely give us access to a huge plethora of, you know, companies which have their own, uh, you know, standalone products wherein they are generating content, as opposed to, you know, uh, someone who would want to use a third-party web app like ours uh, so this this Chrome extension is definitely there in the you know in the pipeline uh, after this we are also launching a Shopify plugin and a you know bunch of other a windows plugin- etc so this would help us grow and reach out to more number of customers globally
0: where do you kind of see it all going in the future apart from just the, the immediateness of, of plugins I mean what's the end goal? for for you guys
3: right so the end goal is you know to be able to um, you know be the only company globally uh, when you talk of empathy you should be talking of in story you know that is that is the end goal so we don't want to be just limited to you know marketing content be it hr content be it you know uh, sales related peer-to-peer communication or for that matter be it even someone chatting on their whatsapp or you know facebook uh, or or any other messaging platform any and everywhere empathy is absolutely important so we want to be the primary company which should come to your mind when you talk of empathy so that is where we are getting to we uh, you know um, we want to be on any and every platform out there when you talk about messaging
0: with every new year comes a new generation of samsung smartphones and that isn't just true of its most expensive range while it's the flagship Galaxy S-series phones that always garner the most attention, the mid-range A-series is typically just as impressive. So following on from last year's excellent Galaxy A52 5G, can its successor, the Samsung Galaxy A55 5G, see what they did there, deliver? Pogolin's Cam Bunton has been using the new phone to find out. So, Cam, how did you get on?
2: Yeah, it got on really well. I think... The thing about the Galaxy A series is that obviously it's not the top ultra premium model, so there are things you don't necessarily get. But I think the key thing here is that it, Samsung has focused on the things that matter and delivered it in a phone that costs about half as much as what you would pay for, let's say, the Galaxy S22+. plus.
0: So let's start with some, a simple question, perhaps. What's the biggest difference that you spotted between you know, why should you go for this mid-range rather than the full, you know, sort of all singing, all dancing Galaxy S series?
2: So the big thing here is you've got a really nice display on it, which is 120 hertz. So you get that fast and smooth performance, wow. which is something you typically see on much more expensive phones so that when you're actually using the device or you're watching videos, playing games, um, you get a really good experience. But then again, because it's a cheaper phone, this is all encased in a plastic body rather than let's say uh, aluminium or steel or glass that you would get on a much more expensive device.
0: And is there something within the phone that you, you know, what, what did you really enjoy? It sounds like you, you, as you said at the beginning, you had, you liked it. So what's kind of the standout thing for you that really makes this special?
2: Yeah, the standout thing in this market, I think um, there are a couple of things, actually, I think, like I've mentioned, the display, Um, it's a big, bright display. And also the main camera on the back, we'll we'll talk about cameras, I guess, in a bit, mm. but the primary camera among the four that Samsung has stuck on the back there is a decent camera. You've got a, a good camera capable of doing all the things that you would want it to do, including 4K video, slow motion video, um, and it t- takes good photos. So it does those key things that you want in a good phone. It does those.
0: And before we get onto the cameras, what's, what's its... It's Achilles heel, so to speak. What's the bit that you think, oh, God, I really wish I'd spent you know more money
2: on this? Uh, I think the Achilles heel, um, like, when we, I mean, you say we're going to get to the cameras later, but I think it is those additional lenses on the back. Um, it's a trend that we've seen with a lot of mid-range phones in that they seem to be wanting to, to show that they have lots of cameras. So this one's got four cameras on the back but only one of those is good. So you've got these three additional cameras, one of which is an ultra wide, which is just about okay. Uh, And then two low resolution uh, sensors. One of those is for macro shots. One of them is for depth information. So they're not, they don't really do much and you can't really get much out of them. And we'd much rather it had maybe a dual or even a single lens on the back that it was actually as good as maybe some of the flagship models.
0: And you said you keep on wanting to get to the cameras, but it sounds like you've now just described all the cameras, so we probably <laughs> yes. we probably don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um do we think this is is this as good as the fifty-two that came before it? Is it better? Is it is there things it's, where it's it's missed out on?
2: I don't um, it's an interesting one. I feel like Samsung this year, even with the Galaxy S twenty two range, it felt like they released new models with slight improvements that weren't any significantly better than what came before it um so yes it is technically better but i don't think you would be losing out much if you decided to go with last year's model and save even more money and it's the same with the s22 series i think
0: now a lot of people see the phone divisions within this world as apple Samsung and then Android. And obviously Samsung runs Android, so it's always a bit confusing sometimes when you hear that. How does this fare against the very competitive, aggressive kind of market within that space?
2: So there there are different ways of looking at it. I think in terms of performance and speed, I think if you went with a Chinese manufacturer like Redmi, Poco or one of the Oppo brands, uh, you would find you'd get a much faster, smoother performance. Uh, but where Samsung gets it right is in delivering things that I think that most average consumers want, which is they want something that works. They want something that's going to be supported for a long time. Uh, and Samsung, even on this mid-range phone, has promised four or five years of up to, up to four years of software updates, major software updates, and five years of security patches, which I think is pretty much unheard of in this segment. So it's it's a commitment that this phone is going to last you a good few years which not necessarily is not necessarily what you would get if you went with one of the other brands
0: good bad indifferent
2: (laughs) mostly good i think yes i think it just we i think part of us just wanted to see a bit more of an improvement on last year but otherwise yes a good phone
0: well that's it for this week's show until next time thanks for listening pip pip